Today we're in a third message in a four-part series on discipleship. We're doing four conversations on discipleship, and today we're talking about worship. Uh, it's a very important aspect of the Christian life, and so I have uh, two experts today to help us out. And the truth be told, anyone can become an expert in worship if you spend time worshiping and learning from God and reading through the Scriptures. So the first expert uh, I'm going to call up uh, is you. No, I'm just kidding. Is, uh, is not randomly chosen. Uh, this, this mother of three and grandmother of seven originally comes from Quebec, uh, was a military brat, traveled around the country, uh, has been here somewhere around 10 years uh, at the church, and uh, I've been watching her as we worship, and there's something about her ability to connect with God that I just wanted her to share with the rest of you. So Diane, Deanne Jacobs, if you could come, it's Deanne. <laughs> now, I'll just explain that Deanne has uh, had uh, cataract surgery, uh, and so she's required to protect her eyes, and we have a lot of bright lights here on the stage, and so uh, just forgive her, she's not she's trying to be incognito today. Or she's not hiding from the authorities in any way. The other person I've asked to help has uh, come here some 10 or 12, 12 years ago, 10 years ago, around that. Uh, he actually guides our worship each week and trains out people to help us to worship. Uh, he's got three kids, and he's married, fortunately, and uh, <laughs> grew up, I believe, in Langley, but has, uh, has come over here to help us on staff. Kyle Veer is going to also... Help us in our discussion today. Worship. In Psalm 101, uh, I think David in the Bible is probably one of the most expressive people. Emotionally connecting with God, uh, his psalms that he wrote go very deep. And he's very honest, very open, transparent about what he's going through, his struggles, and also how to cry out to God. And I was looking at Psalm 103 recently, and he starts off very interestingly. He says, with all my heart, I praise the Lord. With all, my, all that I am, I praise his holy name. With all my heart, I praise the Lord. I will never forget how kind he has been. The Lord forgives our sins. He heals us when we are sick. He protects us from death. His kindness and love are crown our heads. And every day that we live, he provides for our needs and gives us the strength of a young eagle for all who are mistreated, the Lord brings justice. And I, I just thought about him sitting there, maybe looking out over the fields, maybe he's in his, wherever he's living, just reminding himself how good God is. And I take this, like, he just says, everything about me wants to just cry out and acknowledge God. And I take that as part of what worship is all about. And too many times we come to church and we think worship is what we sing on Sunday. But worship is far more broad than that. I'm going to ask both of my helpers today, what is worship to you? What does it look like to you? I'll ask, start with Kyle. Is it only on Sunday mornings when you prep for these uh, five or six songs? Is that what worship is? First, in order to understand what worship is, it starts with who God is, like you were saying. It starts with God is... Um, omnipotent. He's holy. He is love. He is the utmost. He is everything. And worship is a response to that in general. When we, when we gather as the church 
for one hour a week, that doesn't encapsulate us as, as we worship. It's how we respond to God in general. So I think, I think of an attitude or a posture, like not a physical posture necessarily, but a, but a life posture, a life posture of thankfulness, of adoration to God, of um, trying our very best to glorify God and give him the praise and the credit for the things that we experience in life and the things that we're able to do because of him. Deanne? When I think of worship, I just think of a complete surrender. Um, John 4.23 says that God the Father is seeking true worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And when I hear that in spirit, that means my spirit. That means my, this unique Deanne that God created worships him with my spirit. Um, And that I have to do that honestly and authentically in truth. Um, Just completely surrendering everything that I am. And so if I'm going to be authentic about that, then I am going to surrender all my good, my bad, and my ugly. Just completely to the Lord. Uh, In that light, uh, it seems to me that what we have for worship today is very different than what we read about in the Bible, especially the Old Testament. The Old Testament worship seems to be a lot of blood and gore with sacrifices and bulls and sheep and goats all being sacrificed, burnt offerings. Uh, It seemed like worship was something that they they brought as a, a sacrifice uh, and it wasn't, and even the sacrifice had to be a special kind. I mean, it couldn't just be any old animal. It had to be very clean, special, without blemish or spot before it was acceptable to God. Uh, what's happened to our worship between Old Testament sacrificial system and New Testament? Um, how how do we? Um, how, how, what do you think happened in terms of worship? Like, what are, are we bringing something to God every week? Or are we just coming? Because I know that some people, they, I didn't like the songs that week. Or they didn't sing my favorite song. We need more hymns. We need more choruses. We, it's like, what is it? Is it what we get? Or is it what we give that counts? For me, um, for me worship is what I, is what I give. It's, it's what I offer. Um, because we don't need to have all these gory altars and all these lists and books really full of instructions on how to offer worship. Jesus took care of that. By his blood, we are washed clean forever and ever. So that in itself is just so, it's a, a reason to be grateful. He, he's, he's done away with the old. We have, un, we have um, uninterrupted access to God. We don't have to wait for a certain time of year or until a bull or a ram or something gets, gets uh, sacrificed. We just simply have to still our spirits. And we're there. We're worshiping him. He accepts that worship. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, I would, I would build on that by saying it's not that there's an absence of the blood and gore and the sacrifice no. in our, our day-to-day but the fact that we are New Testament Christians and that all of that punishment for sin was put on the person of Jesus Christ, and that event was horrific. And that event took the life and, and shed his blood. 
I've often thought I'm, I'm grateful to be on this side of the cross yeah. than the other side of the cross, because I think it would have been tremendously difficult to carry out a life of worship following all those sacrificial laws and the, the ceremonial system. We talked last week about how that was done away with and how Jesus, through communion, we celebrate that he makes a way for us to have a relationship with God through his sacrifice. But if our worship doesn't delve into that and doesn't start to thank God for that mm-hmm. and express that, and it's just shallow worship that's only based on my today feelings, then you're right. We've lost something. But that's why when I'm planning worship, I'm always looking for ways to, to delve into the Christ event, to delve into his deep sacrifice for us and express that through our worship songs when we're gathered here so that we as believers and followers of Christ will draw back to that in our daily lives. We should be walking around thankful every day that God has given his son for us so that we could have life and life to the full. So when we have the Lord's Supper, in a sense, we do have the sacrificial altar there. We do have the reminder of the sacrifices and acceptable the Lamb of God that was slain uh, for our sins. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14 says, Here on earth we don't have a city that lasts forever, but we are waiting for the city that we will have in the future. So through Jesus, we should never stop offering our sacrifice to God, and that sacrifice is our praise coming from the lips that we speak his name. And don't forget to do good and to share what you have with others because sacrifices like these are very pleasing to God. So it sounds to me like the sacrifices of the Old Testament are now translated into a New Testament kind of a sacrificial system where what we do for others and how we praise God, those are what we're offering each time we come into his presence. And um, I think that's what we bring with us to heaven too. It's all the good works that we've done, all the way we've influenced people, and they follow after us, uh, those things that are pleasing to God. Let me ask you, uh, what, in James 4, 8, it says, come close to God and God will come close to you. How do you draw close to God? Well, for me, it has to happen right away first thing in the morning. Um, I, I have to set priority on my devotional time, and otherwise I'm just going to get busy and I'm going to forget about it. So how I draw close to God is it's um, my devotional time, well, to pure honesty and authenticity here again, is the second thing that I do every day because, well, I got to put the coffee on first. <laughs> <laughs> and then I make that a priority, read my Bible, um, you know, do some praying, and then stop after that. And because I'm retired now, I'm in such a beautiful place in my life that I'm able to just sit there and spend the time to wait. Just wait. Be quiet, be still, meditate on what I've read, and then just wait. And rest in God's presence. And it's, yeah. But if it doesn't happen first thing in the morning, well, I'm off. Yeah, I think alone time with God for me looks a little different than you because I'm not a morning person. Uh, I wake up and my job is just to get out the door and get the kids to school. Um, but I'm fortunate in that uh, being, being in vocational ministry, I have this space oftentimes sitting in here in the building, in, the, in my office, being in God's presence as I start my day of work. And then finding other times. Often for me, it's the evening times. Um, often I find alone time then when I'm able to kind of scour the, 
the internet for interesting articles about God and, and faith and draw closer to him then. And I think it's super important that we've already done two discussions on prayer and God's word because those build right into worship. It's because of God's word and revelation to us mm-hmm. that, we, that we can worship. So a couple things that came to mind for me that are ways that I draw close to God that might be a little bit interesting or unique um, is that the arts, if you want to use that as a broad category, have been around for, for, since humans were created. People have used arts, arts in variety, like we use music very commonly here, but arts, um, Jesus actually used arts when he was talking with people because he was a storyteller. He told parables and drew, and drew in our imagination with the stories he tells. So storytelling has always gotten me, um, and we live in an age now where we have television and movies, and you might think, well, watching TV is a waste of time. But interestingly enough, is I, I, got the, I was fortunate enough to take a class in Bible college called Film and Faith, in which there have been so many films put out and created by thoughtful Christians who are pointing to God. And so through that course, we were pointed to, I think, 10 different movies that we were to watch and reflect and dig into scriptures that correlated with the themes of the, the films. I've always uh, looked for ways to be inspired by stories and films and, and things like that. So that's another way mm-hmm. that I like to draw close to God. There's many ways, but that was one of interest that I thought of. You mentioned earlier the physicalness of worship. Uh, there's bowing, there's kneeling, there's raising hands. Like, what's, the, what's with all the hand-raising stuff? Well, we are going to talk a little bit about some of the things that Deanne has experienced with in the past. There's, there's a variety of different expressions of denominational either reservedness, right, or expressiveness. And uh, I don't think the expressiveness or the physical entirely controls our mind or our emotion or our connection with God, but I've always taught that it can help. It can, if you free your body to move your hands, it can help inform what the rest of your spirit is doing. Um, and anybody that I've tried to sort of coach on this is like, if you've been in a worship service before where you've just let go and let yourself do it, like you might be thinking, I really want to put my hands up right now, but I just can't. <laughs> and then you do. It's just me and God in that moment. And I've put everyone else aside, and that impacts me. It impacts my spirit, and it draws me closer to God in that moment. And I think it can have an impact on my worship life in general. There's the, uh, the half-hand half uh, pose. There's the one hand. There's the, t- the two hand. There's the, you know, the, the surrender. I remember I was in one church, a Baptist church, and it says, we don't raise our hands in our Baptist church. So one Sunday I talked about surrendering to God, and I said, if you want to surrender your life to God, just, just put your hands up and surrender. And I said, ah, I made you all raise your hands. So, <laughs> what? How dare you? <laughs> but oftentimes it's like you want to say, I don't have anything to offer you, God. Fill me up. Give me, give me yourself today. I am emptying myself of all that I am, and I want you to be everything today. And when, when David is talking about Drawing close to God with all that I am, with all my heart, um, it is like surrendering, but it's also like receiving uh, from God in that moment. It's an interaction in a sense. And uh, what, what would you feel if someone came to the front and just bowed on their knees? Or if they laid down, like we call it prostrate, on the, flat out just saying, God, I give up. 
What would, would you be uncomfortable if someone wanted to just kneel at the front while you're singing a song? Yes. No. <laughs> yes. Don't do it. My, my history and upbringing is very reserved. And it's, for me, it's been a process of freeing myself to be able to express in physical ways. But I'm interested in what Deanne has to share about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's my prayer every Sunday. <laughs> that God's spirit would just fall and that people would just be able to free themselves. Just fully bathe yourself in that spirit of God and just let him do what he wants to do. And there are so many songs that we sing in church where it's like, um, I lift my hands to praise you, Lord. So in a spirit of authenticity and being genuine, if you're going to say those words to Jesus... I just, I have to, I have to do what I'm saying I'm doing. Does that make sense? And just, you referred to David, too, and his worship, and how free he was in worship. Well, like, his wife made fun of him, because didn't he go dancing around in a loincloth (laughs) in worship to the Lord? Um, Well, so let's don't do that. No loincloth. Let's don't do that. I'm not saying do the loincloth thing. But that's the sort of freedom that God is looking for. Well, there's, um, there's a corporate aspect of worship where we all sing together, yeah. and then there's a personal act of worship where I, oh, I right. am coming to worship my God. Right. And sometimes I don't feel like singing. Sometimes I want to sit, and I want to maybe read the Scripture. I just want to close. I want to let everyone else's worship wash over me because maybe yes. I've got something yes. going on in my life. I just, I got to meet God. If I leave this place without meeting Him, I wasted my morning. I want, I want to offer myself to him, but I also... So sometimes people will sit or they won't sing. Um, I do know some people that refuse to sing because they have bad voices. And um, I'm going, it doesn't say sing beautiful songs. It says no. make a joyful noise. noise. Yeah, it's about what they have. It's all they have is a joyful. I'm good with that. Joyful noises. I mean, it's not to me anyway. They're raising their voice to God in praise and worship. Um, there's a, a bit of a controversial part of worship that is, it is more personal than corporate, but it's uh, an aspect of worship that we don't often talk about. Speaking in tongues is something that the Bible talks about, and it, it, it's sometimes confusing to people. They don't understand what it is. What would you say, because I've seen people in worship services, they seem to not be saying what the songs are on the, on the screen. Um, they're saying something else but they're clearly in a mode of worship. What, what's going on with that, Diane? Busted. Busted. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> oh, I do worship in tongues. I, ha- I do speak in tongues while I'm praying and when I'm worshiping the Lord. Um, when I'm in a, in a situation when I'm in church and there's other people around me, I don't want to call attention to myself. This is about Jesus. This isn't about me. I don't want to interrupt your worship and how you're worshiping the Lord. So I will um, speak very quietly, and it's pr- sometimes it is just my, my lips moving, but it's when, it's when I just can't find the words to express how much I love Jesus. It's like the Holy Spirit helps me to express what's in my heart. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, it's difficult for people to understand that don't have that specific gift. And um, how to use that, when to use that, can sometimes be challenging to figure that out. Uh, but it should never be a threat to anybody. It should never be um, 
a question mark as to that person's spirituality or what's going on. It's, um, we don't suppress that. And the founder of uh, Christian Missionary Alliance, A.B. Simpson, um, was involved with some of this. He never actually spoke in tongues himself. He tried and tried and tried and prayed and prayed and prayed, and it never happened with him, but it happened with many others. And so that just says not everybody has that ability, and it's not for... There's tons of different kinds of things God can do with us and through us to draw us close to Him. That's one way. But what are, what are other ways do you think that we should use to draw close to God? What are, what are ways that you find best to draw close to God? So, I think um, I, I want to talk about how our life, and this has always been helpful for me to, to see it this way, is our life has kind of a horizontal aspect, and that's you and me and the things around us here, right in front of us, and the things that we encounter on this world in a physical way. And our lives also have a vertical aspect, if you want to view it that way, the spiritual side, the side where we're interacting with God, the side that we're interacting with the spiritual battle, even. Um, there's evil that is trying to get at us in, in, the, in the vertical as well, but our goal is to be connected with God. And so what I, I think is helpful is trying to be aware of how my relationship with God and how I'm living out the vertical in my horizontal in a day-to-day. And so that doesn't have to be just when I come to church. It can be when I'm doing daily tasks, when I'm doing work, when I'm at work, when I'm with my family, when I'm with my friends, uh, everything. And, 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 and we fail. I fail at this. I forget about God in the midst of those things, too. And so I need to always remember to draw close to him and see how he's speaking into my life and guiding me. I try to notice God in everything that I can. Um, I try to have an, an inner dialogue with God as I'm going through my day, um, as I'm driving to work or driving longer distances. Those are great moments for me. I just have a constant inner dialogue while I'm driving. Um, I might tr- if I'm alone, I might turn the music up really loud and just enjoy uh, the music that I've chosen and just interact with God through that. Um, but honoring God with all our responsibilities, honoring God with what he's tasked us with, the place that he's placed us, the people he's placed in our lives, is our true act of worship, really. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures is um, to be, um, well, for, I'll read two. Mark 12, 30, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. So the physical side, the strength side as well. And Romans 12, 1, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That's your true and proper worship, not just songs that you sing. That can be a way to worship God, but it's far bigger than that, as you said. Do you want to add anything to that, Deanne? Well, for me, um, I need to be alone. Um, I, as much as I love to talk, I need to sit still and I need to be quiet. And, if, and I need to wait. I just need to wait. And if I could just share a testimony of the time that I discovered this. It was a, I'd been a Christian about 15 years. And I was alone with my kids at the cabin. And I was just doing the dishes after dinner. And it was the very first time that I would say that God spoke to me, whatever that is. I heard a strong impression, voice, whatever. And it said, spend time with me tonight. Well, I got super excited because now I'm going to have this great revelation from the Lord and, oh, this is going to be great. So I put the kids to bed. I sat down. I put the Bible in front of me because I thought I was going to need to flip that open somewhere along the line. And I waited. 
And I waited. I don't know how long, let's say half an hour. Nothing happened. So then I thought, it just was my imagination then. It, it was probably just my imagination. Like, it was weird, but whatever. So the next night, once again, I'm washing dishes, same time of night, and I hear this again, spend time with me tonight. So I thought, well, I missed it yesterday. Maybe I didn't wait long enough, blah, 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 blah. All these excuses come up. Same thing, kids in bed, Bible on table open in front of me. I'm sitting there, I'm like, this is going to be it. Tonight's going to be it. This is going to be the big one. I sat there and I waited and I waited and I waited a longer time that night. Nothing. Just nothing. So, day three, same thing, same process. I sit and literally as I... As I sat on the couch, sir, the revelation hit me. This is what God wanted me to do. This is the revelation that he was showing me. Spend time with me tonight, Deanne. Spend time with me. That revolutionized my worship, that God wants to spend time with me, that he sought me, that he called me, that he invited me, that he welcomed me. Just spent time with me tonight. Wow. And I think that's the role of the Holy Spirit is to remind us how much God loves us, how much he's done for us, and to come into his presence, recognizing how incredibly awesome he is. And don't use that word lightly or flippantly, but awesome means, you know, above and beyond what we can even think or imagine. Uh, he cares about us. And I, I think we're so busy, our worship is like, okay, I Quick, let's sing a couple of songs. Let's say a couple of prayers and let's head out. Yeah. Stay on time, Tom. Stay on, stay on time. time. We got, you know, a production here. We have to. But the idea that uh, we, we come to worship Him is what we're offering to Him. But what does He give back to us? What do we get out of worship when you spend time with God? What's the result? Okay, so that same visit, the, the same summer that I was away with the kids. Um, I had a dream, my very first dream from the Lord. I, I dreamt that I was standing in front of a huge crowd of people, and I was leading these people into worship, and God was showing up, and the Holy Spirit was just ministering like crazy to these people. And so I woke up the next day, and I, I mean, I went to a church where there was a pastor, and then there was an associate pastor who was worship and youth Everything was all covered at church, so we didn't need a worship leader. I just held on to that, and I just thought, well, you know, I don't know, about, I don't know if everyone else is the same way, but I always question myself. I'm like, was that God? Was it me? Blah, blah, blah. Overthink it. Anyway, so the first Sunday that I was back in church in September, our youth and music pastor unexpectedly just resigned. <laughs> And everybody was in shock, and the whole congregation was just like, <gasps> and it was so hard for me not to just stand up and go, yes, I heard from the Lord. <laughs> so then I took that to my senior pastor, told him what my vision was, and he said, I've been praying, and I know that it's you. What? I would have never. This, I, anyways, this, this is all God, and if you don't, if I didn't take the time to spend time with him when he asked me to. I really believe I would not have, this wouldn't have been my path. I could have missed this. <sighs> he reveals, what else does he give to us in response to our worship? Yeah, I think 
if you are truly worshiping him and you're exploring his attributes, you're exploring and worshiping him for his gifts, for his goodness. It, and we don't want to just worship the gifts he gives, but we want to worship the giver of the Amen. gifts. Yeah. I think you start to see that he's, um, you start to see him all around you. You start to see in your past how he's worked in your life. You start to see how he's leading you. You leave changed. Um, I don't think you can be in the presence of God and not be changed and not be effective. Although I think me growing up all around church and Christian life, I think that happens to me sometimes. I come in and I, and I don't leave changed. It's just being kind of an empty process and a repetition, and I don't want that. Going through this and preparing for this is just giving me that hunger again for, for experiencing yeah. God freshly and to, uh, to get back to those times when I've had moving experiences, and I still do, but to have more of those, and, uh, in, both in church services and in daily life. Couple of quick questions. Uh, do we worship God, Jesus, or the Spirit? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because it kind of seems like, you know, all the Bible is about praising God, you, you know, you got awesome and, and the Creator and all that. But then the scriptures tell us that Jesus, uh, his name was given far greater than anyone else, and he commands even the angels to worship him. So now we worship Jesus, but then the Holy Spirit is now here among us and helping us to worship, and uh, we, we can't even get to God without the presence and the help of the Holy Spirit. But how, uh, when you worship, who are you focusing on? Yeah, I think um, that's where some of the mystery of the Trinity comes in, because it's one God, three persons. So I don't think you can go wrong praying to or worshiping any one of the three. You do see the Holy Spirit, it comes to direct people to Jesus Christ initially. That's what he says his purpose is. And you can see that Jesus, his life on earth, he's looking to do the will of the Father. And so that people will see what he's doing is directly related to the Father. So there seems to be some pointing to God the Father. Um, but at the same time, um, Jesus, this is one of my other scriptures, Hebrews 1, right? So the Son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustain, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So it's yes and yes. <laughs> Any other comment? Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I abstain from theology. <laughs> I'm more the experiencing sort of like I'm just in the moment. So. So, yes, that's my answer. Don't just, make it my too... My answer is Kyle's answer. Not Same too answer. complicated. Yeah. I don't complicate things by trying to understand what's what and who I'm, who I'm worshiping. I just, I just go for it. Well, here's another, here's another question, uh, maybe a little bit more serious. Uh, if you come here and you're, you're screaming at your spouse in the car on the way here and yelling at the kids and you come in and you realize that you've got... Maybe your mother-in-law got on her bad side this week or whatever happened. And, and there's relationships that are broken. And maybe there's some things that you were done, you've done that were offensive to God. Um, maybe if we held sin in our heart, maybe we were doing stuff we should never have been doing. And we haven't kind of uh, worked that out yet. We bring that into the church service. Then we're trying to worship. Uh, can worship happen with that person? Yeah, we did a, like a communion service 
here um, with young adults one time where I encouraged people, if they had broken relationship, to actually go and fix it. Like, I'll give you 10 minutes. Phone somebody up. Fix it. Like, phone them up and, and make it right. Uh, that was a good thing to do. Uh, it's a good thing to, to try to resolve any conflict. But the reality is sometimes we can't get it all dealt with in the moment. And I think worship can still be present and can still happen, but it may be hindered. Um, but Jesus provides, he stands in the gap between us and God, and he takes on all our sin. And so if we take that moment, even as we begin worship, to confess and give to him, um, we can have that connection with him. But I think, you know, I've, we've, we've been in church and we know our wife's mad at us. We've got to go home and we've got to deal with it, right? It's got to be dealt with at some point. Matthew 5, it says, uh, if you're about to place your gift on an altar, remember someone is angry with you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. Make peace with that person. Then come back and offer your gift. So I think what, what I'm getting from that is that it, our relationship, like you say, the horizontal relationship with other people really can impact our vertical relationship with God. That if we don't make sure we're okay with others, uh, God is saying, no, 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 those are my people. I created them. I love them. And you've treated them with disrespect or disdain or disregard. And you need to make that right before you come see me. It's like if someone is bullying my child at school and they want to come and have me teach them trumpet lessons and going, you know what? I don't think so. Like, you don't mess with my kid and then come and want to get favors from me. It's like, no, we got to get this thing straightened out. And, and many times God may be making us aware of how important our relationship is with other people. How do we worship in, 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 together when we, we're at odds with one another? All right. So how do we... Uh, oh, I was reading about... Have you ever had worship tingles? I read about this this week. An article about how people come to worship and they get that tingly feeling when they're in worship and they start to get addicted to this tingly feeling that they get in worship and all of a sudden it's not about offering to God, they just want to come and feel that presence of the Spirit and feel being in the moment and feel, you know, how we all can sing these powerful songs together and worshiping God, but it's, it's the experience that they're after more than the presentation of our lives or sacrifice to God. Have, have you ever got caught up in you know, the excitement of worship and forgot about God. So what you're kind of describing, for me anyways, is like when you go on a weekend retreat or a youth rally when you're younger or something like that, and then you come home, and the next day, where's God? But it was just the high of being on the retreat or being at those sessions or being amongst many other people, peers, that you're feeding off of that energy. And so there's good aspects of that, but you can't just rely on that alone. Do you get like, the worship tingles? I don't get worship tingles. Okay. It's surprising because I'm very, <laughs> you know, kind of emotionally kind of gal. Um, no tingles for me. No, but it is different on Sunday morning. Sunday morning when you do worship together and you have that corporate worship experience and you hear the people around you singing, there's an encouragement that goes on there. There's a, it's it, like, like rallies and retreats and getting away with other people. It is different. I mean, we all inspire each other, and it just seems like it's a, it's a different kind of worship than you have while you're by yourself. But, yeah, no. Maybe they're having a heart attack or something. <laughs> Their hands are tingling. Shake it, Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Maybe my last question. There's a scripture, I think it's in Hebrews, that says that we are to worship God in a way that pleases Him. 
And that really has struck a chord in me because I think oftentimes, and when I, I, worship, I led worship for, for 15 years myself, and oftentimes, you know, it would come down to what are my favorite songs, what songs would I like to put in the service, and which ones move me, and I keep thinking about, no, it's not about me. It's not about my favorite songs. It's about, did God even show up today? Did, I, I, I've, I've had this picture sometimes of, of thousands and thousands of churches on earth kind of just making noise, just singing the songs that they've been singing for the last six years or whatever and just doing worship, but, but it's all about them. It's about satisfying their needs, satisfying their desires, their favorite songs. And it's like there's this, this covering, and once in a while a, a shaft of light pierces through this, this din of noise and reaches heaven because it was true, it was pure, it was authentic, it was real worship, not just... The routine, the ordinary, the average, the, 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 the everyday kind of stuff that we just we throw out there. And, I, and it, I guess it's a desire that we break through the noise of worship and reach heaven with true, authentic, pure worship. Um, is that something you've been able to do, to move beyond the, the ordinariness of what happens each week and connect with God personally when you, when you come in? In a corporate worship service? You're talking about when we're meeting together? Yeah, together. Yeah, I'd say together. I'm kind of there before I get here. So I've, I've spent that time, like you were talking about, uh, uh, building this relationship and keeping this channel open, keeping this relationship open to the Lord. So, um, yeah, I, I, it doesn't matter to me what songs are playing. It really doesn't. Or, okay, I have a little bit of trouble if somebody's off key. I'm not going to lie to you. Like that just kind Joyful of like, noise. <laughs> <laughs> but I've tried to work through that too. So I think if you get here in the right spirit, if you're in a spirit of worship in your private time with the Lord, then you'll, it, it shouldn't bug you what's going on in church. And maybe it's floating somebody else's boat. Get over yourself and just worship the Lord, you know? Yeah. I wrote down... Um, how do we change from how did I like worship today to how well did I worship today or how well am I worshiping God? And a sobering passage for me is always Amos 5 says, God says through his prophet, I hate, I despise your, your feasts. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Take away from me the noise of your songs, the melody of your harps. I will not listen, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Our worship has to be connected to our life. It's got to be going on in the day-to-day. It can't just be empty, shallow praise. I, I asked the question to myself, uh, how do I know when my worship has been acceptable to God with what I offered Him was pleasing to Him? Was, is, um, and I, the only thing I can come up with is that I know my worship is acceptable to Him when He shows up. And he makes his presence known. It's like, yes, I like this worship. Yes, I want this. Yes, this is acceptable. Yes, this is coming from a pure heart and clean hands. And uh, when I sense his presence in our midst, I know that what we're offering to him is pleasing to him. And that's kind of my goal um, in worship is to have him, his presence, fill this place. Any last thoughts on worship you want to offer? I just want us to see Jesus. I want us to see Jesus as the one who enables us to worship God the Father, to access him in the first place. And when I worship, I want him to expand my tunnel vision past 
my little world that I have. Yeah. Like we watched the video earlier in the service, the persecuted Christians who are living out their faith in a great deal of uh, pain, but their goal is not just to be comfortable or safe. Their goal is to live out the gospel and, and be a light in their world. And so let's have a bigger view of worship. Deanne, any last? I know my worship's acceptable to the God because he told me in John 4.23 that if I worship him in spirit and truth, then that's going to be acceptable to him. So I would just like to end with a quote from the famous John Kenny. God said it. I believe it. It's good enough for me. <laughs> there we go. Thank you for your help today. Appreciate your, your openness and transparency you. and your encouragement to the rest of the congregation. Let's give them a hand. Of applause. Thank you.